Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 4, Episode 1 of Farscape. This is the last season of Farscape, huh? It is the last season of Farscape. Not counting the movies. And then we have the movies. Although, as I mentioned last time, Amazon Prime just lists the movies as... Yeah, it's, it's like how Futurama counts the movies as like the sixth, seventh season. Yeah, Hulu decided to count the movies as their own season, which totally screws up the season numbering. Like, I don't know why they did that. Just to annoy us. Yeah. But at least, at least Farscape just has them be the last two episodes of season four. Which, fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the end, so there's no numbering to screw up. The end for now. Is it a Futurama movie situation where they're like, okay, so we're kind of just doing basically large episodes, or is it a uh, Serenity situation where it's like, this is here to just wrap up all the dangling plot threads? It is a Serenity situation. When we get to the last proper episode of season four, you're going to be like, oh, thank God they have a movie, because if that was the end... You, you would not be pleased. Okay, granted, I did not watch a lot of it. Are you going to talk about Alf? No. Huh, no, no, I, I wasn't. I didn't watch a lot of it because the little bit of it I saw, I disliked quite a bit. But there's one joke that I really like from, uh, from the Big Bang Theory. Oh, okay, uh-huh. Where they're like, there are lots of ways you can wrap up a show when the ending seems inadequate. Buffy kept, uh, Buffy went on his comics. Uh, they gave Firefly the movie Serenity to wrap things up. Heroes got so awful, everyone was just happy when it ended. <laughs> oh, that is, a, that is a terrible and true joke. I have to say, though, I feel like the Buffy ending was, was pretty good. I feel like they nailed it. Yeah, they didn't really need to go on with it. Although, I mean, I'm glad that the comics existed. Yeah, Alf, the the series ended with Alf being kidnapped by government agents, and then they had the movie Operation Alf to wrap things up. Although it didn't really. Didn't it just like hard cut to, oh, well, I guess it was a good thing I got away from those government agents. Now I'm living with a different family because nobody wanted to come back from the original show because it was a nightmare because the puppeteer insisted everyone treat Alf like he was a living being and also not look down in a set full of trap doors. Yeah, that show was a nightmare, apparently, to be on. Not surprised. Do you think Mac and Cheese was kind of based off of someone's experiences on ALF? Oh, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, the the show that Joey is on on Friends, where there's the the robot. Yeah, and there's the guy who operates the robot who's, like, really particular about how people treat the robot. I mean, to be fair... The time we see him being particular is when Joey's being an asshole to him, so. Yes. But yeah, no, that could, that very well could have been. Hmm. Well, there's a, uh, speaking of not this podcast, but our other podcast, Charmed, there's an episode of Supernatural that has them fighting this coven of witches, which is just all pot shots at Charmed. And I heard, although this might just be the sort of thing on the internet and I didn't like corroborate it or anything, but I heard that the person who wrote that show used to work on Charmed. Oh, okay. Because before that last sentence, I was going to say that really sounds like punching down if you're supernatural to be like, fuck you, Charmed. Yeah, I mean, it's supernatural. I think they did a lot of that. I mean, they they had their requisite shot at Twilight and... Yeah, but Twilight is so big, it doesn't feel like punching down the way it does to, to make fun of Charmed. And Charmed was on for, like, eight years. Yeah, eight years we just uh, finished our rewatch. Yeah, okay, okay. 
I mean, Supernatural buried it in the, uh, because they were on for like 27 years, but they weren't really. No, I know, I know. They were on for a really long time. Farscape, my word. Uh, So as a reminder, last season, the gang accidentally blew up a bunch of children. Uh, Okay, I don't think that's how, how the previously on would phrase it. Okay, they intentionally killed a bunch of children. Jesus. Okay, so last time they blew up Scorpius's command carrier. Which was full of children. And also the wormhole technology that John wants to keep from getting into anyone else's hands. Talon died. Krace died. Um, mask guy is just a mask now for a while. That didn't happen during that, but I feel like I should mention it here. Yeah, Stark. Stark. Yeah, so what happened at the end of last episode is John was... Everybody on Moya had gone their separate ways... John was kind of floating around in the uncharted territories near the Leviathan graveyard, and he learned that Aaron was pregnant. Aaron took off, and John has just learned that she was pregnant with other John's baby. And before he can even respond to go after her, a wormhole opens up and swallows up Moya, and John is just drifting in space and definitely gonna die. Is this how every season ends? I know it's how the first season ended. And I guess last season was the third season. How'd the second season end? The second season ended with Aaron dead. Dying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah. So the fourth season should also end with Aaron dying in space. Not in space. Actually, I guess she didn't die in space and the other thing. She fell through some ice because... She died crashing from space! Well, the whole reason she lost the fight with John Scorpius, John Pius, Scon, was because they uh, they were doing a fighter jet thing in the atmosphere and she was used to flying in space. That's true. That's true. Anyway, uh, so this episode opens an indeterminate amount of time later. Yeah. Time enough for John to grow one of those beards that he likes to grow when he's abandoned by people and or... Yeah, his Jeremiah Crichton beard. Yes. His Robert Redford from his looking like Zach Galifianakis Day's beard. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's on a new Leviathan. Mm-hmm. We don't... At first we were like, oh, he's just talking to Pilot, but uh oh it's a different Pilot. Yes, which you know because, well, first of all, it's a slightly different puppet, mm-hmm. but also it's a lady pilot. I feel like they were like, we have to have it be a lady pilot so people know right off the bat. Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Not just like we lost the actor for a uh, pilot. And... Right. We killed off Crace and he was so mad that he wouldn't come back and voice pilot. No, that's not true. He's fine. But yes, because remember, John was floating out in this Leviathan graveyard, so apparently he got picked up by another Leviathan that had come to the graveyard to die. So he is theoretically safe on a Leviathan for now, but we learn that this Leviathan is also about to die. It has come here to die, and John has no more fuel for his... Farscape? Yes, for his module. So he has no way to get out. So he's basically just like, he's he's in fuck it mode. If you watched the TV show Last Man on Earth, he's he's Will Forte from the very first episode of Last Man on Earth. Yeah, there's like one DRD left and he has it play music for him. Um. Okay, not just music. He has it playing the 1812 Overture. And that DRD will, will be referred to henceforth as 1812. Anyway, the lady pilot tells John that, like, she's 
so happy to be here to die because when she was joined with this Leviathan, they promised each other that when it was time to die, they would come here to the sacred burial ground and die. So she's like, not that it hasn't been super fun having you, you know, wandering my halls all drunkenly playing your weird earth music, but like, we're going to die pretty soon and then all of our systems will shut off and you're going to die. So exit plan maybe. And he's like, eh. Well, well, he has been working on his wormhole formulas, which have been unlocked in his head. And he basically, in the cargo bay, has the entire walls and boxes and everything just covered with scribbles about wormhole calculations. I think his plan is, if he can figure out some way to power his module and get a wormhole, he can get out of here. But as of now, they haven't figured out how to power the module. And also, just to like... Add some more complications, because things aren't complicated enough. Another ship crashes into this Leviathan directly where his calculations were. This is a gigantic ship. She could have crashed anywhere. But no, she crashes right through the wall where he had written out his calculations. Well, to be not fair, but I mean, also this is kind of a solution, right? There's a whole new ship to work with. Oh yeah, I guess there's a ship. Hmm, that's true. So, death is less eminent now. I mean, granted, it crashed, but you got more raw material to work with. Hmm, that's weird. I didn't even think about that, since that's not how they get out. So, a life form emerges from the ship, and it's New Jewel. Sokozu, yes. Sokozu, who I will get eventually, but for right now, New Jewel. New and improved Jewel. So she has an interesting ability that might come into play. Yes, later. And that is that she cannot take translator microbes. Ah. So she does not have the ability to automatically understand John, but she can rapidly learn languages. So she tells John, knowing that he can understand her because of his translator microbes, just keep talking, just use full sentences, point to things and tell me what they are and... In a few minutes, I'll know your language, practically by magic. I thought you were going to talk about the fact that she's a character who actually changes her hairstyle, not just as like a physical manifestation of a character arc or anything, but just casually changes the way her hair is over the course of this episode as one is wont to do in real life. Yeah, when she comes in, her hair is all tied up and at one point she just, she takes all the little, the little space buttons down so that her hair is free and wavy. Yeah, it's it's a little thing, but I think it's an interesting character note on this sort of show. Well, shows in general where changes like that have to be intentional story beats because you want the characters to stay as consistent as they can within an episode. So keeping continuity is easier. Well, so to tease the Patreon exclusive podcast we're gonna have talking about rose mcgowan's memoir brave for our other podcast which is about charmed i was going to reference charmed but yes go on but you can you can listen to it we have one patreon for all our podcasts Hmm. so uh yeah the yeah rose mcgowan mentioned that when she wanted to dye her hair red they were like ah how are we going to explain to people and myself as a woman who changes her hair pretty frequently i'm like She dyed her hair. But no, no, they had to throw in a line about how there was some sort of magical... 
a, a spell that she did that went wrong. There's a line about how she cast a spell that went wrong, and that's why she has red hair now. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Meanwhile, Alyssa Milano comes to the set with, you know, her buzz cut when she did it that one time. And not only were they not forewarned about it, they actually just kind of threw in lines about how awesome her new haircut is. Well, I guess the lesson there is that if Rose McGowan wanted to be allowed to change her hair, she should have been an executive producer. That feels kind of like it might have been a little bit of a power play on Alyssa Milano's thing, because it happened after Paige dyed her hair. You think she was like, I can change my hair whenever I want. Ooh, okay, I don't want to make guesses about this, but hmm, hmm is what I will say. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's putting too much malice of forethought into, you know, a haircut. Yeah. Now, I don't know if this is why Sakuzu changes her hair, mm-hmm. but I will say it reminded me of a thing I saw on TikTok where someone was kind of making fun of this weird thing in Mulan, the live-action movie that just came out recently, mm-hmm. where apparently she takes her hair down before she goes into battle. And it's like, that's exactly when you want your hair out of your face. Why is she taking her hair down to go into battle? And apparently it was to disguise the stunt double. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so uh, Sakazu does have this other thing. She has another ability that we'll see later, where she can change her center of gravity and, like, fly up to the ceiling. So I'm wondering if maybe a stunt double did the wire work, and that's why she brings, why she pulls her hair down. Mm. Yeah. New Jewel has different powers than old Jewel, because, you know, they're different species or whatever. The main reason I'm calling her New Jewel is because I feel like, functionally, as a new red-headed woman who has superpowers that are less impressive than the other superpowers of the people on the uh, team. She fills the same general niche. Who basically looks human? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's a very different character from Jewel. She's competent in a way Jewel is not. She's someone who has survived, and this is just my impression from this episode, this is someone who has survived basically by being smarter than everyone else. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the person Jewel thinks that she is. Yeah. Okay. So if I was going to put it in like a pithy little phrase, I'd say Jewel thinks she's better than everyone else. And Sakuzu actually is. Hmm. I mean, she's not, but she's making the most of her power set. Yeah. I mean, she's. This is a fun little interaction with John too. Because she's trying to get him to talk as much as possible so that she can nail his language down. And John keeps on doing these, like, pithy one-word responses. And she's like, you're not being helpful. She tells him, tell me your alphabet in order. And so he sings the ABC song. And we both pointed out that it would probably be hard for her to distinguish that L, M, N, O, P are all different letters. L, M, N, O, P, you know, the way he sings it. Also... If you don't know any English, the alphabet song is kind of uniquely unhelpful. Mm. And its pacing is weird. Exactly, exactly. Like, I mean, that that's the big one. But there are a lot of different places in the alphabet song where multiple letters could just be one letter if you don't know where to differentiate them. Mm-hmm. But John figures out, I mean, he he cooperates more. By giving her more full sentences. And And the pilot lets them know that there is a ship coming, another ship approaching, and she understands pilot language. So she tells John that 
these people are coming to essentially harvest pieces of the pilot and they are definitely going to kill the two of them so yeah it's it's sort of it's between stripping a car for parts and that urban legend about waking up without your kidney wow that's exactly what it is whoa yeah and another thing that we'll get into later when Sakazu was hired to work with these guys and help them, you know, figure out pilots and learn everything about Leviathans, she discovered where the Leviathan burial ground was specifically because she felt that if she was going to be forced to do this, the most moral way would be to go where Leviathans were about to die. And that's not wrong, you know, per se. But anyway, the... The writing around this character, by the way, is really good. You feel like you get to know her almost instantly mm-hmm. in a way. And she is basically spouting out exposition this entire episode, but it doesn't feel like it. It's true. Yeah. Huh. She was like, I'm going to get my entire backstory out really quick so that you know I am not Jewel. <laughs> so the Leviathan harvesters shoot some sort of gas into... I almost said Moya, shoot some sort of nerve gas into the Leviathan. So John and, not Jewel, have to jump into his module since it has its own air supply. And when they do this, he like goes into his brain space, his mind palace. And Scorpius points out that John has put them into a Baywatch pastiche, which is not particularly helpful and John- it's just like nothing but women running up and down the beach in bikinis. And and also John and Scorpius. Okay, so I have this thing I do in shows, which is a lot of fun to do a lot of the time, which uh, pay attention to people, extras, who are like really far in the background, mm-hmm. because a lot of times they don't really know what to do. This isn't really an example of that, but it got me really used to watching extras And there's a bit where, you know, Scorpius is being like, now, John, don't you look at these bikini women you made up. And John's like, I'm going to look at the bikini women. There's a guy surfing the background and he kind of falls off his surfboard and then he just sort of gets up awkwardly. It's completely in the background. It's not noticed by any of the characters. I'm like, okay, was that an intentional thing where they're like, guy, fall off your surfboard or did the extra just fall off his surfboard and they're like you know what we got the rest of the stuff in the shot it doesn't matter yeah no i i I don't think that they i I don't think they directed him to fall off the surfboard i think he just did so i mean it doesn't ruin the shot or anything no i mean it makes sense it's it's beach background that's things that you see on a beach i assume yeah and it's not like so outlandish that unless you're directly paying attention to the extras it's the sort of thing that you just like yeah he's like way off in the background so john Finds Aaron sunning on the beach reading a book, and she is super, super pregnant. She's like nine and a half months pregnant. And John tells her, he's like, why did you take off? And she's like, because, because I had to take off. And he says, that's John Crichton's kid, which he has to say because he's not the one who impregnated Aaron, but the other Crichton. It is my kid genetically. Yes. And she says, it's my child. Yeah. Yeah. 
might be you you don't think it might be a little disturbing for me to see the face of my dead boyfriend every time I look at you? Not dead, John. Oof. Yeah, it's rough. Like the whole situation with the two Johns and now one of them being dead and Aaron being in love with the dead one even though they're functionally the same person. It's rough. We talked about how that John, the John who died, got to be in a relationship with Aaron and get to know her in a way that our John, alive John, did not. And that's very clear in the episode Revenging Angel, where John is imagining the cartoon Aaron, and it's just so not Aaron. And here, it's not that he's imagining an Aaron who's not Aaron, but more that he is recognizing that he doesn't know what's driving her. He asks her, why did you leave? And she says, because, because John doesn't know. So the Aaron in his head can't give him an answer. Hmm. So back in the meat space, they're talking to the pilot to see if there's anything the pilot can do to stop the guys that this woman was working for from coming and killing them and, you know, organ harvesting and whatnot. And the uh, pilot in this Leviathan is like, hey, no, like, as with Moya, I'm not functional enough to do any of the things that would instantly solve the plot. It makes more sense in my case because I'm dying as opposed to Moya, who's just always affected by radiation or pregnant or this, that, and the other thing. So it's less annoying here than it is with, you know, Moya, where there's a whole episode based around the fact that Moya can't open a fucking door. Also, this pilot's like, I'm about to die. If they harvest me for stuff, then... Eh. Yeah. I mean, remember, remember, our pilot didn't get super mad when they cut off his arm. And he was, like, alive and, well, and using it. Well, he wasn't thrilled about it. It's true. Anyway, John, he doesn't say that this is what he's doing, but he does the same thing that they did in the episode where they went back in time and were trying to be mercenaries at that monastery. And An episode that famously ended great for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the harvesters are kind of in the, the bowels of Moya. And this Leviathan. Oh my god, you know what? I'm just going to keep saying Moya. Keep correcting me, but... I anyway. mean, it's fine. It's... Not Moya. They're in the bowels of not Moya. And so John runs back and forth across the, the walkway so that he can... Uh, well firing his his blaster his pulse pistol so that he can appear to be more people than he really is hmm. but yeah that doesn't really work also he to be intimidating shouts down at them and cling on listen if they have translator microbes they're just gonna hear you in their language john all you're doing is confusing the one person who you might be able to use as an ally I guess the translator microbes would translate Klingon because you can. Yeah. Even though it's a fake language. I guess all languages are fake. Yeah, yeah all languages are made up. This is just John being a dick to Sokozu. John calls her Sputnik, which I think is a reference to her hairstyle. Yeah, her space buns. Yeah. Which, you think that translated at all? or? She doesn't have translator microbes. Right. 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 So, no. <laughs> so, uh, the, the the harvesters are like, release the hound! And John's like, oh, God, this now? And Takozu's really freaked out. She's like, no, this is bad! 
And she goes to where she thinks there should be a hatch that they can go through, but it's not there. And she's like, this is where Leviathan hatches are! And John's like, um, so you've got all your book learning. <laughs> and apparently your book learning didn't have just a little footnote that said, by the way, Leviathans are organic and will grow however the hell they want to grow. Also, like, even if they weren't, if it's an old spaceship, stuff's probably been replaced. Well, I mean, there should have been a corridor there. Well, I mean, stuff could have been blown away. Or... Yeah, I mean, that's true. I'm I'm just thinking a lot of the houses on my block when I was growing up were originally based on the same design. Like, they were, I think, model houses. Like Craftsman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, like, they were all built in, like, the 30s and 40s. So by the time I was living there in the 90s, like, there, I would go over to my friend Claire's house, and you could tell that at one point we've had the same house, but over almost a century. Got it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, that's actually a really good analogy. So the... Uh, Dog bites John in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. And Sakazu's so trying to, like, bandage him up, and she's like, why is your vein so gigantic? And he's like, well... <laughs> and she's like, you need to become lighter if you're ever going to be able to move your center of gravity and cling to the ceiling. And he's like, well, that's just not... It's not a thing we can do. Also, it's, it's not a thing I was trying to do. It's not a thing I'm able to do. I mean, this is very much the, like, have you tried yoga to cure your depression? She's like, just be lighter. Way less, John. I do like this. This is her non-translator-based power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm counting her ability to translate languages out of just hearing them a whole bunch as a power. Oh, it definitely is. But her other power is that she can alter her center of gravity, so she's always standing directly up, no matter what surface she's on. She can wall crawl. Yeah. Which is neat. I mean, this is different than Jules' metal melting scream, but it is kind of on the same level superpower-wise. Also, just a weird aside, have we ever seen Jewel use her metal scream on purpose? Like, I don't think we have, and it would come in handy a lot of places. We saw Aaron, like, like pull her hair to make her scream to use the metal melting, but I don't think she's ever intentionally done it. Yeah, Jewel could, I mean, and honestly, it would probably be handier than the whole center of gravity walking on the walls thing. If she ever used it to melt people's weapons, which I think would be the big thing you would use it for. Mm. I'm not sure the weapons are made out of metal that can be melted, though. They're like space weapons. Mm. But that's a good point. I mean, it wouldn't hurt to try any more than being shot at with blasters would hurt in the, the first place. Yeah. Anyway, John's communicator goes off and it turns out that Rigel and Chiana are back. They've, they've come looking for him. Interesting timing, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible, terrible timing. So, of course, the the harvesters who are hunting them hear the communicator and are like, oh, oh, this is where you are hiding. And then Sokozu tries to jump out and be like, I did not abandon you. I am on your side and I'm going to help you. And John's like, well, fuck that. Yeah, John hops out and he immediately takes her hostage. She's let her hair down, by the way. Did she do any upside down walking before she let her hair down? 
very briefly. So okay. yeah, but and she's gonna she's gonna do it a lot more later in the episode. So I think that might be why she did it. So John's holding her hostage, and the guys are all like, "You know, we were gonna kill her, right?" Like, okay, so I thought that when you're watching this, I think it's more that he's using her as a human shield, which not cool, but I mean, again, they're they're they were still gonna kill her anyway. They're, they 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 want. The, the, the leader guy tells the rest of his pirate crew. Are they pirates? Let's go with pirates. Yeah. yeah. The leader guy tells the rest of his pirate crew, hey, I don't want any of you guys to get hit by, like, ricochets or whatever, so why don't we wait until they're in a corner and then we can shoot them all? And John's like, you know, I can hear you, right? <laughs> yes. Like, I'm right here. That was a great moment. So the, the hound comes and it rips off her arm and they get away though because we are now in a different part of the ship with her and Chiana and Rigel and John is shaving off his depression beard because Chiana's here now and he wants to look hot for her I assume weird we also learn that apparently her hand could be like stuck back on and she can be like and it can grow back so they're looking for they're gonna find that hand and stick it back on her so don't worry she's, she's gonna have a hand yeah i guess we're all cool now betrayal stuff aside yeah whatever it's farscape they've made worse deals with worse people so chiana came back because they thought they thought they were free once they blew up scorpius's command carrier but it turns out that Greza, the new chick that we saw at the end of last season, is hunting them. She has out wanted posters, wanted beacons for them everywhere. She specifically put a bounty on Chiana and Rigel and everyone else. Not the witch. She's a new military person from the observations. Uh, oh, yes. yes. Thank you for clarifying. There were a couple new people. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why uh, Chiana and Rigel came back to John, because... He fucked them over once again because... Yeah, everyone even vaguely connected to John has a giant bounty on their heads. And that makes it kind of hard to, say, reclaim your space empire or join a revolution, right? She's going to go help her brother with... Yeah, she's going to go join the Nabari Rebellion. But they're probably not going to want her when she's being hunted by the peacekeepers if they're going to try to fight the Nabari. Eh, I mean... It seems like asking for more trouble. Maybe. Uh, the Nabaris aren't really afraid of the peacekeepers, though. It seems like it would be a good distraction to have uh, Chana bringing in this whole new element to their... Uh... I mean, I was thinking that the the revolutionaries wouldn't want to be fighting a, a battle on two fronts. Yeah, well, I, I was I was thinking, uh, uh, yes, that would definitely be true. But you could theoretically try to play them against them, you know? Because the Nabari they wanted to defeat are the ones who are currently in charge of the planet, so. Yeah. Although I guess that might just be trading in a problem for a worse problem there. Yes. Anyway, remember how Chiana is psychic out of nowhere all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah. She's She's gone full Phoebe Hollowell. She's been having premonitions and stuff. And she knows they're real because she went to a casino and she won essentially roulette, like a roulette style game that you can't really cheat at. She won it like 10 times in a row and they beat her up like they do at casinos if you win games 10 times in a row. Is she just really bad at cheating? Like, even if you're using psychic powers, shouldn't you be like, hmm, this casino is probably going to, you know, be mad if I keep winning this one game. Also, shouldn't your psychic powers warn you if people are about to beat you up? 
Both of those things are true. Also, I read uh, that book, 21, by those MIT guys who, like, got super good at counting cards. Mm -hmm. And then they made a movie about them. Yeah. I keep on mixing up that movie with the one with the magicians that rob people. Now you see me. Yeah, those are two very different movies. I assume I haven't seen either movie. I haven't seen Now You See Me, but I've seen the sequel, which I enjoyed a lot, even though it's a little bit predicated on the idea that stage magic is kind of real magic. Also, it's called Now You See Me Too instead of Now You Don't, when it obviously should be called Now You Don't. Yes, that is superpower, which was also, not to go off on a further tangent off this one point, Mm -hmm. but that was also, do you remember a TV show that was on briefly called Alphas? Was that a pickup artist show? No. It was about the next stage, and it was... Oh, yes! No, yes, I do vaguely remember. It was basically really shitty X-Men, but the the whole premise was that there were people who were, like, the next stage of human evolution or whatever, and they all had superpowers that were based off of disabilities or genetic oddities. Like, there was a kid who could do, like, these full-scale recreations in his mind of things because he was autistic which isn't great. And there was this guy who had, like, super strength because he could, like, charge up his adrenaline so he would have super strength in short bursts. And it was all this stuff that's like, okay, I guess that's plausible. And then there was a woman who could do the whole, like, causing micro-seizures in people to make them agree to do whatever she says. And I'm like, okay, you took the premise too far. That's not a thing based off of anything. That sounds like a terrible show. Yeah, Way back in the day, iTunes used to give you the first episodes of certain TV shows for free. I remember that. Actually, I think they still do that. Really? I mean, not iTunes, because iTunes doesn't exist anymore, but, like, we have Apple TV, and I don't remember what show it was, but we watched the first episode of one show, and then I realized it wasn't logged into whatever streaming network I needed, so we couldn't watch the rest until I figured, until I remembered my password and logged into that streaming network. Yeah, yeah. But the point is I watched a lot of crappy pilots for stuff because those were the main things you could get for free. Mm-hmm. Pilots that they were really hoping would catch on. It seems like the sort of show that was either canceled immediately or ran for like seven seasons on some network you've never heard of. Yes. Farscape. I'm sorry. We're so off track. I, well, I oh, I, I didn't say my thing about 21, which is that a lot of the book involves them escaping the attention of the pit bosses seeing how much they are actually winning and like switching up games and stuff so that they don't you know get get pulled into the back room and beaten up even though a lot of the book does involve them getting pulled into a back room and beaten up yeah it's like chiana's never seen a casino movie which i guess she probably hasn't because i haven't got the impression that movies exist in space No, me either, but she did understand the concept of robbing a bank, so she should understand the concept of heisting a casino, I would think. Mm. Anyway, also, it turns out that when she has visions, this new thing is happening where she has the vision and it's super painful, and she's temporarily blinded by the visions. Okay, so she's Cordelia Chase, then. That is exactly what I was thinking of. Except, I feel like Cordelia's visions were useful, so she's like, Phoebe, but with Cordelia's drawbacks. Wait, I thought you said, uh, oh, oh, right, because Phoebe's premonitions are never useful. So, the the pirates, I guess we're calling them pirates, are still 
on Not Moya trying to harvest it and trying to find the, the people that are on the ship. And John retreats back to his mind palace to have a discussion with Aaron about her pregnancy. And he's like, maybe it's not even Crichton's baby. Maybe it's Stark's baby or Crace's baby. And she's like, yeah, maybe. Maybe. It doesn't matter because... You're not here, and I don't want you involved with it. Yeah, it doesn't matter, because it's not yours. Like, even if it's your genetics, you did not, you did not do this. And then he feels the baby kick, and he says, ah, that's a Crichton kick, the name of the episode. So, back in Meat Space, Rachel's like, hey, buddy, have you tried not being a weirdo about Aaron? Like, I know I'm the horrible fish man who makes sexist jokes and... Farts helium. And farts helium, but this whole Aaron thing is getting real tired. Well, I mean, he basically tells John, your main character trait is being obsessed with things. You are obsessed with wormholes, with Aaron, with getting back to Earth, with Aaron, with Scorpius, with Aaron. <laughs> By the way, the entire time he's having this conversation, he's holding Takuzu's hand that he found. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, seriously, you need to listen just, if Aaron loves you and you were meant to be together or whatever, she'll come back to you. You can't hold on to a woman against her will, even if she's a woman you bought. I need to remind the audience I'm the worst thing on Earth. I'm sorry, in the universe. Yes. He, he, this was just a thing in this time period with sci-fi, though, right? Like, it really, well, not just sci-fi, I feel like, but yeah, no. He says when a woman, whether she's your... Wife or lover, or a slave who you paid for to be your wife or your lover. It's like, ugh, that's just, that's just a gross aside, but here we are. Uh, but he says when she, when she leaves you over and over again, take the fucking hint, man. And honestly, that's good advice. Yes, that is good advice from the horrible fish monster. He's not horrible because he's a fish monster. He's a monster because he's horrible. And he's also a fish. Right, but those things are unrelated. Him being a monster and him being a fish are unrelated to each other. Yes. Meanwhile- Also, he's amphibious, so he's more like a frog monster than a fish monster. Yes. I mean, it's pretty late in the run of our podcast for me to bring that up, but he's much more of a frog monster than a fish monster. That's accurate. Meanwhile, girl fight! Yeah, oh, speaking of, like, early 2000s things I don't like, like- I feel like there's no reason for Chiana and Sokozu to get into a fight other than the writers were like, hey, there's two hot women on board. They better fight with each other. Yeah, and Chiana's like, ooh, I'm going to tear your shirt off and then I'm going to grab your breasts and twist them real hard. And Notchul is like, I'm going to kick you really hard in the junk. And Chiana's like, that's not really sexy. And Notchul's like, that's not what I'm going for here. Now, to be fair to Chiana, Chiana saw Sakozu paying off one of the pirates, and she, first of all, she's like, she sold us out, even though not Jewel was paying the pirate, not the other way around. But also, she was paying with peacekeeper coins, so obviously she's our enemy. She was enemy. paying with Scarin coins. Oh, I'm sorry. She was paying with Scarin coins. And, but the point is, she's like, yeah, because that's where I live! And then she says to Chiana, don't you have peacekeeper coins? Because that's where you live? Yeah, she's like, I'm not working for the Scarens. We're in Scarin space, so everyone uses Scarin money. You idiot. 
Also, the thing that she was getting from the guy was a rod that, like, powers, apparently, racers. I guess she thought maybe this could power the module. The hero of our day, this inanimate carbon rod. Exactly! Anyway, she gets her hand back. Oh, also, that guy was her lover, maybe? She said he liked her, but I, I didn't get the impression that that was sexual. More like he... Like, they were friendly. I, I know it's weird with how sexual everything else is in this show, but I actually didn't get that impression from this part. Yeah. So, John's holding Chiana back, and, uh... It's weird that Chiana's, like, psychic visions didn't help her out at all with this with this encounter. Yeah, and, and she points out, she points out to Chiana, she's like, so, basically what you did by shooting that guy, she sh- did we mention the fact that she shot the guy that, uh... Oh, yeah, she shot the guy dead. Yes, Chiana shot the guy that Not Jewel was bargaining with for the inanimate carbon rod, and she really messed up this whole area. And Not Jewel's like, so you destroyed basically any chance we all had of getting out of here alive, so good going. And Chiana tries to jump her again, but John holds her back this time. And it's like, really, Chiana? Did Dargo rub off on you when you were having sex with him? Because, like, that was a Dargo ass move. She has sexually transmitted plot denseness. Mm. So, yeah, he sends Chiana and Sakozu off to find the pirates and deal with it. He tells Chiana that Sakozu knows Leviathans possibly even better than they do. I kind of like, we didn't mention it earlier, but earlier when Chiana and Rigel first arrived, he says to them, if there's anyone equipped to save a Leviathan, it's us. And I like that they're kind of like, the Leviathan experts now. They have a they have a specialty. They're like they're like the pirates who know how to deal with Leviathans. Even though that's not hard because Leviathans like live to serve, so mm. So not Jewel and Shiana are off on a mission together because John's like, if I put you two in a mission where you have to trust each other, then it's going to be a great team building exercise. John puts them in there. This is our get along shirt. Yes. And uh, Chiana's like, I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot you dead. And Nodril's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Do you want to split up? And Chiana's like, that's not the point of the mission. And Nodril walks up a wall and she's like, look, there are places I can go that you can't. So Chiana's like, well, I'm a cat person and I jumped really high that one time yeah yeah even though she can't like cling to walls the way it's because you can so john sends 1812 the drd away to hide because he wants to protect it and then he like he he had he seen jurassic park before he got shot into space because he's being the goat to uh, lure the dog thing, the CGI dog monster that the pirates released in the Leviathan to hunt down John and What's-Her-Bucket. Mm-hmm. He's being a goat to lure the thing into a trap, and that really feels like a Jurassic Park reference. I feel like the goat is a thing already. Like, I, I feel like it... Sacrificial goat. Yeah. I mean, snackrificial goat, if you will. Scapegoat, if you will. <laughs> no, so I think that that's... I think John was like... I don't think this is necessarily a Jurassic Park reference, but yeah, John is acting like a goat to lure the creature over, which, by the way, looks like a looks like a dog creature, but with like a demigorgon head. Honestly, it, the CGI because it, it's CGI here, 
holds up remarkably well. It, it is better than any early 2000s CGI has any right to be, especially for a show that was made in Australia. Like No offense to Australia, just, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, honestly, I could see this thing being on in Stranger Things, and some movement issues aside, the design of it is really good. Mm-hmm. Also, John's sticking his butt into frame and then wiggling it to tempt the creature. It feels like it's been a long time since we've had a completely unnecessary John ass shot. It's not particularly sexual unless you're into... I don't know. It just... <laughs> contextually, it doesn't seem all that sexual, but it is just John sticking his rear end into the camera and wiggling it. So if you're into that, this is an episode for you. So essentially, they get rid of the dog by tricking it into running out a window. And the thing is, it keeps missing, and John's like, for crying out loud, I'm literally trying to get you to hit the broadside of a barn. Yes. So eventually, eventually it does go through the window, and John has, like, tied a rope around his waist to keep himself from being sucked into space, and... That's some good rope. Right? (laughs) But yeah, he lives, the hound is out in space, it's fine. So... Sakozu is is dealing with the pirates now. We learn some more stuff. She was contracted to them. And the fact that she took off means that they're not going to have to pay the people that she works for that she was contracted from. There's like a whole negotiation thing thing happening here. Uh, We didn't mention this, although it should be pretty obvious if you know how pirates work, that her big mistake was showing them where the Leviathan burial grounds are because she made herself yeah she redundant redundant. yeah so john catches not jewel trying to negotiate with another one of the pirate guys and he's like jesus fucking christ really really and they have a little sexy tussle and you know and he's like you're a killer and she's like really really like i've spent about five minutes with you and i can already tell you've killed a ton of people right yeah he says you know he Finds out that the pilot had children before she was joined to the Leviathan, and he's like, you're killing a mother! And it's like, okay, John. You you blew up a lot of children last episode. Also, you caused a genocide that one time, so maybe, uh... Right? I mean, that wasn't his fault. I mean, it was directly his fault. It wasn't intentional on his part, but it was directly his fault. I mean, if it was anyone's fault, it was Stark's fault. John's the one who put the helmet on Stark. Stark didn't want to put the helmet on. Well, I guess that's true. If John had listened to his friend, he would have not caused a genocide. That's why it's important to listen when people tell you not to do things. Yup. Wow. Okay. Especially if the thing is put on weird temporal helmets when they're psychic. And not just psychic, but like when when your head is a portal to the death dimension. Yeah. So, basically, John's gonna do this thing with Chiana where they, like, belay each other over over not Moya's uh, honeycomb of, of... Brain fluids? Yeah. And shoot all the guys. That's their plan. Oh, right. Solid. Yep. So, you know, they both tie themselves to a rope. They throw the rope over the thing. Whee! Yeah. So... I don't know. I feel like the solution at the end of this episode was basically just, we're out of time. It's time to end the episode. It wasn't like a let's clip. Just, let's just shoot everyone. Yeah, it wasn't 
this show usually has clever solutions based on like things that have been seeded. This is just shooting. This is just a shoot 'em up ending. Yeah. Bang 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 bang. Also, Chiana has a premonition during this shootout, which is not particularly helpful. Well, I think her premonition was helping her like hit the right places. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. More helpful than Phoebe Hollowell's, I guess. Yeah. So blah blah blah. Shootout. 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 Uh, good guys win. Good guys as they were. I'm assuming these space pirates are probably responsible for less genocide than John, just because at this point it seems like it would be harder for them to be responsible for more. Wow, that's true. Okay, so I know that you didn't really watch a lot of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, Hardly any. There's a running gag with the second host, Mike, Mm -hmm. where he keeps on accidentally blowing up planets. Uh, there's actually a TV Tropes thing about it. Mike Nelson, Destroyer of Worlds. Okay. Which is basically someone who becomes known as a great conqueror through massive incompetence rather than, you know, for great military skill. Okay, that's not John Steele, though. That's not John Steele. He just... I don't know. He accidentally kills a lot of people. Yeah, that's... Well, he purposefully kills a lot of people after he feels like he has no choice as well. Hmm. So he's just constantly murdering. Jen's a murder machine. Yeah, he is. I I, I mean, and he's he's got some real issues with that. Anyway. uh, Also, he has issues when he falls into not Moya's rear end. Yeah, her like the the, like waste stuff at the bottom of the Leviathan that we've seen before on Moya. And uh, yeah, he sees one of the dead bodies and is like, oh, yeah. Murder's bad. Yes. I feel kind of guilty about the fact that I'm constantly killing people. So he's talking to Sakozu and he's like, so I don't know if you want to come with us because um, we're, we're a bunch of accidental murderers. And she says, you know what? No, I'm going to get my life back. I'm going to go. I'm going to meet up with my people, tell them that I did not break the contract and uh, not end up like you. Yeah, she's very clear on the fact that she doesn't want to end up murdering a bunch of people in space. Fair. Yes. So, meanwhile, this is really sad. This Leviathan had to leave the sacred burial grounds to avoid the ship coming back and, like, taking everyone out. And... John's like, it was your dream to die in the sacred lands. And she's like, I don't know if you're aware of this, John, but lots of people don't get their dreams. Like, it's fine. I got to see them, which was nice. Well, I mean, it's also a pretty dark warning to John, you know? Yeah, sometimes dreams straight up don't come true. Yeah. The lesson here is not to want things. A lesson that John does not take, we cut to him... In his mind palace on the beach with a not pregnant Aaron. Yes, very interesting note. A very conspicuously not pregnant Aaron. The uh, shot in a non salacious at all way pans up her very much not pregnant, guess how many sit ups Claudia Black does body. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, fair. If I did that many sit ups, I wouldn't mind people filming me like that. I mean, I'm not saying it's not exploitative, but, you know. 
So, uh, this blonde surfer dude <laughs> comes up with uh, two Italian ices for, you know, well, I was going to say one for him and Aaron, but he actually gives one to John. And it's like, this is, this is the, this is the new guy in John's head. In John's head, this is who Aaron ends up with. And John. Blonde surfer man. Yep. And John walks away. Super sad. We kind of skipped over it, but John also used the one DRD to help defeat the uh, guys. Just in case you were wondering why they went through so much trouble to establish this DRD earlier in the uh, episode. It came back. We just kind of skipped over it during the boring shooting bits. Well, 1812 becomes a main DRD, so now it's... Really? Yeah. Okay. So now it's just John and 1812, chilling. John's trying to recreate all of the wormhole calculations that Sakuzu blasted through, and the DRD's playing the 1812 overture for him, and that's where we leave them. Okay. So, uh... Honestly, really solid season opener. No, yeah, it is a good, it is a, the, the, the ending feels rushed and kind of like a cheat to me, but the episode does a good job of establishing mood and where we are. And honestly, starting on a dead Leviathan at the beginning was so, or dying, dying Leviathan was so smart because that is so where John's at mentally right now. Well, what I really like about this episode isn't specifically a thing about the plot so much as the pacing in this episode felt so much better than the pacing usually does in Farscape. It did seem like, yeah, it did go at a pretty fast clip, even with, as you said, Sakuzu just like giving us nonstop exposition. But yeah, it was like, bam, 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 done. So the next episode is going to be What Was Lost Part 1, Sacrifice. And the description on Amazon Prime is, the crew's reunion is endangered when Crichton falls under the control of Commandant I've been saying Commander. It's Commandant, according to Amazon Prime. Commandant Graza's mysterious allure. Okay. So I think that'll about do it for us this week. Uh, yes. Uh... Our show's partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maracruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. We can also be reached on Twitter at ILoveTVZines or at ILoveTelevisionZines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories.